You're listening to the Emotional Abuse Recovery Podcast, episode number 52. So today I want to explore something a little bit different on the podcast. I'm always challenging you to think differently, and today I want to take that a little bit further. So we're going to be talking about words, words in the English language that not only have different meaning, but hold emotional charge. Helping you is my number one priority on this podcast, and one thing I do consistently in my life and with my clients is to challenge the meaning of words that we use every single day. Now, you might be thinking, well, words are words, so what does this have to do with my emotional abuse recovery? But I'll tell you, it has a lot to do with it, and the words you use to describe yourself, to describe your circumstances, the world around you, and the people in it all take up residence in your subconscious mind, and whatever meaning those words have for you become your belief system and thus become your reality. So I want to help you to start questioning those words. I want to show you how to get into the practice of reframing how you define certain things, and when you do this, you not only start to wake up to the things you say on repeat aloud and inside your head, but you start to change them and feel relief. Because let's face it, we often don't ever consider the words we use because we are saying them out of habit. We aren't thinking about them because they've been on repeat. Let's start to really question the words we use, even the phrases that we use. I remember several years ago, I caught myself saying things that I had the concept of what they meant, but I didn't really know the origin. Things like, and things you've probably heard before, balls to the wall and a dead ringer and a sleep tight, don't let the bed bugs bite. My parents said these things to me as a child, but I didn't really know what they meant. But then I started saying them to my kids. So I think it's fair to assume that my grandparents said these things to my parents and they never questioned them either. They said that them to me and I never questioned them. So eventually, I was curious enough to try to find out what these things meant, but a lot of people use these phrases to communicate without knowing what they really mean or their origin and just letting these words just kind of fly without thought or consideration of what they might mean, and specifically why we might make these words mean things they really don't mean. So, but my point here is this. If you say things without thinking about what you're saying, why you're saying it, where it came from, what it really means, and if it actually could mean something different, you're doing yourself a disservice as you're attempting to recover from emotional abuse. So stay tuned for this interesting topic on language and words, and let it be something you can easily start to incorporate for your own emotional abuse recovery toolbox. Welcome to the Emotional Abuse Recovery Podcast a podcast specifically designed to help you heal after a toxic or narcissistic relationship. This podcast teaches you to use your subconscious mind to go from feeling stuck to set free. In here, you will learn how to use the power of your own mind to free yourself from emotional pain, move forward with confidence, and experience the inner peace you deserve in your healing journey after emotional abuse. I'm your host, and subconscious reprogramming coach, Allison Dagny. So let's get started. Okay, so I did a little research on language and the origin of language. And the exact origin really is a big topic of debate among scientists. But most theories suggest that human language emerged between 50,000 and 2 million years ago possibly evolving from early forms of communication or through like a gradual development of um, complex vocalizations. Uh, 
language um, has changed and has been borrowed throughout the ages and languages are not static they change over time so new words are constantly being added and other words are becoming obsolete language change um, occurs through cultural influences and contact with other languages I mean even art um, you look back at like Shakespeare and the language that he used and a lot of it was just made up and internal linguistic processes all these different types of things um, have allowed language to evolve over time and language um, also borrows words from other languages um, and you can loan words or um, borrow words from other um, cultures and things like that and people come up with new words all the time so the meaning of words though this is what we are going to talk about goes beyond the definition of words and how language has been shaped over time so I want to talk about how words can hold big emotional charges and words mean different things to different people a really good example of this is the word success um, to one person success is to have um, climbed the corporate ladder and to have a lot of money but to someone else it could mean to live off the land in Alaska away from society right so it totally depends on the person and failure is the same. So someone could believe that they failed because they only lost 20 pounds of their 30 pound weight loss goal, where another person thinks 20 pounds is a massive success because they never lost more than 10. So the measure of success and failure, failure is completely determined by the perception of the person who defines it. Now, that is if that person isn't swayed or influenced by other people, because if they believe they have succeeded, yet there's a peanut gallery telling them that they failed, it's very possible they might swirl that around and eventually internalize it, then believing that they're also a failure based on other people's perceptions and opinions. And this happens to a lot of people, especially when those opinions are of the masses or highly pressurized by society or maybe their family and friends. So maybe you've experienced this too where the other siblings in your family are all becoming one thing, like doctors or lawyers, but you feel called to be an artist or a teacher. If your family doesn't see your choice as a success because of how they define success, then they could easily project that onto you, creating negative emotions like guilt or shame. And this influences your decisions based on their perceptions and beliefs about what you should do or what you should be to fit into their definition of success. So think about words like beauty, power, justice, and even freedom. Words like these have general definitions, but because of culture and society, personal experiences, these words can mean different things to different people, and they can hold very different emotional charges too. The word freedom has a very emotional charge to it for me personally, because I never felt free before I escaped my abuser. But for someone who's never been emotionally abused or trapped or controlled or enslaved, the word freedom might not feel like much at all to them. For those who have never experienced this, the word freedom and the concept of freedom might not be quite as emotional to them. So let's talk about emotional abuse and what happens to survivors when words are carrying meaning and when we don't question that meaning. Often memories are attached to words or experiences. I recently had a session with a client 
and she was struggling with feeling like she was too needy and she had beliefs that she shouldn't reach out for help and that she shouldn't need anything from other people. She also said she felt like she was too much for other people and this was causing her so much internal anxiety and stress because she felt like she was walking on eggshells around everyone she knew but internally it was making things worse for her because she in fact did need help wouldn't ask for it and got stuck on this repetitive cycle of worry that she would be rejected while refusing to ask for help and not getting it so what we did first we uncovered all of her subconscious beliefs and i helped her see that it wasn't that she was too needy but how she was defining it. I asked her, where do you draw the line? Is it too needy after you call your friend three times or 30 times when you need help? Is it too needy if someone is on the brink of suicide? Of course not. Who makes up these definitions? Who decides what is too needy and what isn't? After all, we're all human and humans have needs. So we kept talking about it and she realized that when her ex was calling her needy because she wanted to talk about her relationship and her feelings, it wasn't her that was needy, but his inability to meet her where she was and having adult conversations about how to improve the relationship. He was unable to rise to the conversation, so he flipped it on her to say she was being needy. He had his own issues, and he was unwilling for whatever reason to have the hard conversations, so he criticized her for being needy. Ultimately, the goal of shutting her down and making her think her feelings and thoughts were not valid or important was all he was trying to do. Then I told her that words are just words, and we make those words mean things differently, right? Everyone has a different meaning. What if instead of saying, I'm too needy, you were to say, I'm not too needy. When I have a need, I seek support. Or what if you said, I'm not too needy. When I have a need, I like to collaborate with other people to try to solve my problems. It takes the weight of the emotion off your shoulders when you reframe the words that you use. And so often, these are words other people have programmed into us. Not even words we have organically come up with for ourselves. So maybe you hear these things in the back of your mind and you just allow them to run on repeat. Things like you're too needy or you're so OCD or you're dramatic or you're crazy or whatever it is. It, it likely never came from you. You just heard it and adopted it as your own. This is why it's so critical to be aware of your thoughts and to listen, to really question what's happening inside your head and pause. Is this something that I really believe about myself? Where did this come from? Who told me this? Is this even true? Could there be other possibilities here other than what I keep thinking on repeat? Is this thought even serving me? And if not, can I let go of it or replace it with something else? I want to mention here that if you're listening to this podcast and you've been hearing me talk about the subconscious mind, taking notes, practicing, and still not seeing sustainable results, please be gentle with yourself. As a coach, I'm trained to help my clients uncover their subconscious beliefs. This can be challenging doing it all by yourself for some people because the brain has been programmed in such a deep way, and that deep programming can make it difficult to see things from a different vantage point. But that's where my skills come in. I have been trained to ask the right questions and help you get to the source of your subconscious mind and start to see things in new ways and release that old programming. Plus, I have a proven four-step tool that I teach all my clients how to use, 
And that tool is something they get really good at and become um, skilled at using that they have for the rest of their lives. And I often tell my clients, if you need me after our 12-week program is over, I will fully support you and I'm happy to do that. But my greatest achievement is that you don't have to spend years with me trying to recover. If that happens, honestly, I haven't done my job as a coach. I want all of my clients to get results. And so far, all of them have. All right, so let's talk about some common words people use that hold strong meaning or emotion. And we're going to talk about some replacement words to use instead. So one of the words is powerful. Some people don't like this word because it might evoke a negative meaning to them. You could use a different word for that. Um, Empowered is also um, a word that some people might not actually like. I tend to love these two words. I really like these words, but I've actually had clients who um, have negative associations with these words because they look at people who are in power, who use it for um, bad instead of reframing it to look at people who are in power who have used it for good. Um, the other other words that I've heard um, through clients are anal and OCD, um, talking about themselves in these ways because other people have impressed sort of a negative meaning for these words onto them. And we t- tend to use words like organized or detail-oriented in replacement of those kinds of words. Um, I like the word practice instead of work. Um, and some people, um, don't like the word anger, but you could replace that with something like passion and, um, needy again, we can go back to support seeking or collaboration or something like that. So these are just a few examples and you'll have to think of the ones that specifically come up for you and find new replacement words. If the words that you're currently using have a negative meaning. So if you're struggling with this search synonyms online and find new words to use that you like better. And what happens is this takes so much weight off of the heaviness of a lot of these words. So now you might be wondering, well, what's the best way to start reframing your language and word usage to help you heal for your emotional abuse recovery? So if you have a pen and paper and you're not on a walk or driving, then write these down. Number one, catch yourself in the moment. We have to be aware of our thoughts before we change them. What do you say to yourself, either aloud or in your mind? Start practicing paying attention to this and stop yourself. If you hear yourself say, gosh, you're such a klutz, probably because you were told this throughout your life and it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Stop yourself and say instead what you would say to someone you love. People make mistakes or I like to slow down a little bit more or I'm in my head a lot and sometimes I bump into things. This takes a little bit of thinking on your part because your brain is so used to taking the path of least resistance, and that is the easy way out. The go-to of telling yourself things like you're a klutz or you're stupid or you're dramatic or whatever it is, that's easy because it's been on autopilot. So going into this, be kind to yourself and be creative to think of new ways to speak to yourself and reframe your words. Number two. Listen to how other people speak and say words. Listening can be extremely powerful to your own healing. Just as you listen to your own thoughts and your own words, listen to others. Whether that's on TV, the radio, in person, on social media, just pay attention and start to see how other people speak to each other and maybe to you. Just the other day, someone I know was trying to help a friend and wrote up a text message to her friend. And the first line of the text was, this is going to be really hard for you to hear. 
I told my friend before she sent the message that by saying that, she was actually just planting a seed in her friend's mind that whatever she was about to tell her was in fact bad news. I suggested instead that maybe she could just say whatever she needed to say in a kind way without that initial statement. This would allow her friend to interpret it however she wanted to based on her own perceptions. My friend saying it would be hard for her to hear to her friend was actually her filter that she was impressing on her friend. So just pay attention to what other people say. Listening deeply and thinking about things in an analytical and questioning way can be really, really helpful to your own patterns of language and helping you see what you want to say and what you don't to yourself, to others, and about yourself and about others. So the third thing is change the meaning. Once you've been able to be aware of your language and start to question what you say and the words that you use, you can change the meaning. Here's what I mean. Nothing has any meaning unless you give it meaning. And here's how I know this. Because what if I asked you what it means to be successful? Your answer will most definitely not be the same as the next person's. Everyone defines success in their own way based on their own values and their own experiences. So this goes for everything. If something has negative meaning to you, why not try to change the meaning? Now, let me explain how. If every time you get emotional about something, if you tell yourself you're dramatic and beat yourself up, it might start to bring up negative feelings. This could be for various reasons, but maybe it was because when you were a child and you cried, your parents told you to stop being dramatic instead of attending to your needs and helping you process those feelings. Try to change what it means when you get emotional instead of making it mean you're dramatic. It's okay to express my feelings, saying something like that. Or being emotional means I'm highly empathetic. You might even say something like, showing my emotions lets other people know I accept their emotions too. Whatever it is, you're simply changing the meaning. You're softening it so it doesn't have that negative attachment. If it feels bad, that's what often keeps us stuck. All right, so number four, know your intent when you speak and clarify other people's intent when they speak by asking questions. This one takes a little practice, but it's not difficult. Chances are you interact with a lot of people throughout your day at work or at home. And again, like even on social media or when you're out running errands, when you communicate with people, choose your words carefully. And when they communicate back with you, ask questions. What do you mean by that? And you could be specific to the conversation. So you could say something like, what do you mean when you say this could be difficult to do? Here's why it's important, because what one person says could be difficult could mean something totally different to you. It's so important to use your words wisely. And if there is a need for clarification, then do it. Clarifying your intention with a deliberate choice of words, even if you have to slow down and think a little bit, is so important. It's important when speaking to yourself and also when speaking to other people. And asking others to clarify their intentions is also extremely helpful because you can avoid miscommunications and avoid absorbing incorrect or negative meaning about the things that you're discussing. So let's recap on this really quickly. Language changes over time. The words that we use can hold different meaning 
And it's really important to number one, catch yourself in the moment, be aware of the things that you're saying to yourself and about yourself. Um, Number two, listening to how other people speak and say words and listening to yourself and how that that goes in your head. Um, Number three is changing the meaning. Once you're able to change the meaning, then you release a lot of the weight that those words have. And number four, know your intention and clarify other people's intention. All right, so I hope this episode has given you something to think about. I hope you'll go forward in your days ahead and start to really inspect the words that you use and pay attention to those words that other people are using. Words have so much weight. They hold so much meaning, good and bad, depending on how you perceive it. Remember, it doesn't have any meaning except for the meaning that you give it. Now, if you need one-on-one support in your recovery journey, please don't hesitate to reach out. I support women just like you every day who use the power of their own subconscious minds to achieve lasting results, peace, and relief, and I'm happy to support you too. You can schedule a free consultation from the link in the show notes. Talk to you next week. Thank you for being here with me today in the Emotional Abuse Recovery Podcast. I hope you found value here with me. If this podcast episode was helpful to you, I'd love for you to hit subscribe and leave me a review. My goal is to help you go from feeling stuck to set free. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook, and you can check out whentearsleavescars.com for more resources and information to help you with your own emotional abuse recovery. Until next time, here's to believing in